Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Skycast, presented by Lockdown Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. I'm your host, Nick Niendorf, here to talk to you about all things Chicago Sky. You won't want to miss out on the treasure trove of content we'll have for the WNBA playoffs, so make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockdownWBB and at High Post Hoops. Also make sure you're following us for continued coverage of women's college basketball this upcoming season. I'll personally be helping cover the Big Ten and Wisconsin women's basketball. Now in today's episode, we're going to be talking about what makes the Chicago Sky contenders or pretenders. Obviously, the Sky still have two regular season games, both away at the Connecticut Sun and the Washington Mystics. Neither of those games are going to be a cakewalk for the Sky as both of those teams have an incentive to win games and secure a top seed. But for the Sky, it seems like they're probably going to end up playing in the second round, which means a single elimination game against the winner of the first round in their side of the bracket. Now, there's some interesting matchup possibilities for the Sky moving forward into the playoffs, but I'm going to hold off on that a little bit and wait until the regular season is decided, and I'll have an article coming out soon about that, and we'll talk a little more about that on next week's episode. But for this episode, I really want to focus on the Sky, regardless of other teams, and what are their strengths heading into the playoffs? What do we know about the Sky? What do we know can be really effective for them in the playoffs? And what are the weaknesses or inconsistencies that we really just don't know how they're going to turn out? Or we do kind of know, and that's something that potentially could be a fatal flaw for the Chicago Sky. So for Chicago, I think one of their very obvious strengths is their offense overall, specifically the way they play. I, I really like how fast they can play, how uncomfortable they can make other teams when the Sky are really getting into their offense and they, they don't get into these, you know, these lulls where they get trapped in the half court, but they are really running the floor. They are really pushing the pace when they can force teams to get on their heels, force teams that play a little slower to play faster, which makes them uncomfortable. And I, I think just overall dictates how the game can be played. And I think being able to do that in the playoffs is, is going to be huge for the Sky. Now, a weakness that can go along with that is can the Sky do that in the playoffs when things tend to slow down, when your half-court offense tends to be more important, and the Sky in the half-court have been a lot less effective than they have been in transition. Now, I, I would push back a little bit on that idea just because I do kind of believe in Wade's offense, and more than that, I believe in Courtney Vandersloot's ability to dictate the flow of the game herself. I think her ability to just run up and down the floor on offense, be able to get the ball in an outlet from Steph Dolson or a Stu Do, and just move up the floor really quickly. Like That's what she's looking to do every single time. And if it's not her, then it's Diamond. And if it's not her, then it's Allie Quigley. And those are usually the trio that's going to push the pace. But Courtney Vandersloot, above all, is going to do that constantly. And I, I really think that as much as teams can slow down other teams' pace in the playoffs... I just don't see that happening to Courtney Vandersloot. I think she's just going to be able to dictate the pace as she wants. Again, teams are going to be a little more prepared. They're going to be able to scout the sky a lot more ahead of time than they can in the regular season. And they're going to find ways to get them in the half court. And that's something they're going to have to deal with. But I do think their transition game is still going to be deadly, especially if they can continue to playmake or at least be at their best when they're playmaking on defense and getting those steals, getting those quick defensive boards that that go out into the hands of Sloot, into the hands of DeShields, 
getting those boards out to them, you really can't defend against that. And when you have somebody that's as good at passing, good at pushing the pace as Courtney Vandersloot, it's so hard to defend. And I really think that Steph Dolson, I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to talk about her later, but I think her outlet passes could be pretty big in terms of charging this offense up when things do slow down uh, during stretches in the playoffs. I'm, I'm very excited to see how she responds to that. But yeah, overall, I, I do think their pace is going to be a strength for them. I, it's something that I do worry about a bit, but I do feel that it's so ingrained in their identity and the way that they play that even if it does get slowed down a bit, it's only going to be so much and it's still going to be a major factor for them. And then obviously another thing that goes right along with that is their shooting. And that's another reason I think it's hard to slow them down is even if you're playing slow on offense, the sky can still get out and run. And because of their ability to shoot on the break, it's much harder to defend them. I think when you have teams that play really fast, you especially see this with younger teams where you know coaches want to get them up and down the floor because younger players tend to have, be more athletic than older players just naturally. And so they tend to get them moving up and down the floor. But a lot of times those younger teams don't shoot the ball really well, but the sky do. And so that's another factor of their fast break game that I think makes them really hard to slow down. And so as it stands now, the sky have the second best shooting by effective field goal percentage and true shooting percentage. They're only behind the mystics who are just on another planet than the rest of the league. And so I really, I really want to see the sky push the pace get their shooters out in transition, get their shooters open in transition, and and see how that can go. And one thing that I found really interesting is I looked at the differences between the Sky's rebounding in wins and losses, and it's about a six or seven rebound differential. When, when they win, they're generally rebounding the ball six and a half times more than when they lose. And the really interesting part is that offensive boards – are actually even at 8.4 apiece. So whether this guy lose, whether they win, on average they're getting 8.4 offensive rebounds a game. Where you see that gap form is on defensive boards, and obviously part of that has to do with just playing defense well and being able to close out possessions on other teams, which we'll talk here in just a minute. But I do think that defensive rebounding helps feed into that transition game and helps feed into that shooting and getting their players open shots while the defense is scrambling in transition. And so defensively, I think that's going to be a major key for them is being able to get on the defensive glass. Offensive boards are nice, but I just don't think the Sky really have the personnel or the ability to crash them consistently. But defensive rebounding is something that they can do. It's something you can focus on a lot more than offensive rebounding. Just good, solid box out from your bigs, from your wings, from your guards, from everybody, and then just actually grabbing the board. None of this tipping around stuff that the Sky do all the time where they seem to have a board and then lo and behold, the other team's player scoops in there and it's either a turnover or just a lost rebound. So being able to crash the defensive boards defensively is going to be huge for transition is going to be huge. And I do genuinely believe that it's something that they can do. I think it's something that they are more than capable of doing. They've shown that down the stretch here this season and I think it's something that they have to continue to show in the playoffs to really unlock how good they can be on offense and obviously defensively one of the biggest things for them and and this has really been kind of I feel like Maggie Hendricks of The Athletic and Chris Pennant of Regal Radio have really been the ones that have focused on this for most of the season have really brought it to my attention on Twitter and through their through their writing Uh, but points in the paint 
is obviously huge for the sky. They're the worst in the league by three points at this point. They allow 37 points in the paint every game. And I don't think it's something that they're going to magically change on. I mean, when you look at their front court right now, it's a stew Stephanie Dolson and Cheyenne Parker who none of them have really proven that they can be full-time rim protectors, that they can do that consistently. And while I do think, you know, especially a Stu Dew or Cheyenne Parker could have one of those games in the playoffs, I don't think it's something we can expect. And so I think with that personnel, points in the paint is going to be an issue in the playoffs. I, I just don't think it's just, it's not going to disappear. It's not going to go away. But what the sky can do is limit it. I think if you take that 37 and you can get it down to 32, or 30. You can trim it down even if it's just for one game. I think that's going to be huge for them because when other teams are able to have their way with the sky in the paint, it just completely changes how they play defense and generally it involves their bigs getting in foul trouble, especially Stephanie Dolson, and it really kind of inhibits the rest of their defense. And I find that if their defense is going to crack, if it's going to fall apart, it's going to start with points in the paint. And so that's definitely something to watch for as a major weakness for the sky. Another big weakness, and this is flipping back to the offensive side, is obviously turnovers. Turnovers have been the talking point all season for the sky. They've gotten better with it. I will say they've gotten a lot better with controlling the ball, and I think a lot of that comes down to team chemistry. I think a lot of that comes down with the offense just gelling more overall. But when the sky get into that 15 turnover range, that 17 turnover range, that's when every game is wide open for them in terms of allowing other teams to play with them. And if they're playing a team that is playing lights out that night, the sky just can't afford to do that because when they turn it over 15 times and the other team is shooting the ball really well, it's game over. It's They're not going to win a playoff series if they do that. It's going to be incredibly tough for them unless they have the defensive showing of the season. They're going to lose those games. And so I think keeping those turnovers down is going to be of the utmost importance for them. Controlling the ball is going to be super important. And again, a lot of it starts with Courtney Vandersloot. A lot of it comes down to her being able to dictate the flow of their offense, getting people comfortable with the ball early, which she has just done a tremendous job as of late. Uh, I mentioned this in one of my articles, but she had two games with 13 assists and zero turnovers in the span of a week. Those types of performances are going to go a long way in controlling the overall turnover count for the sky. But a lot of it, again, kind of comes down to their bigs. I think the sky's bigs get into a bad habit of just getting stripped when they get caught in the post. And I think that's something to look out for. I think Diamond can have some bad turnover nights. And a lot of times those turnovers come near the key. They come on the perimeter and they lead to very easy buckets for other teams. So controlling the turnovers is probably going to be the talking point throughout the playoffs just because it has been the talking point all season. But again, I I do have faith that the sky can put it together for the playoffs. Like I said, they've had some really strong performances where they've kept turnovers low or at least kept them manageable to a respectable amount. They don't have to play super clean with the ball to win games, especially with the amount of possessions that they're usually playing with. But they do need to keep it down to a decent level if they're going to give themselves a shot in a game where maybe they're not shooting so well or the other team is just shooting lights out. Next, I want to transition a little bit more to the individual players in the playoffs and what their performances could mean for the team. 
Now, I'll start us off easy with Courtney Vandersloot, and I mean, what else is there to say? Courtney Vandersloot has been Courtney Vandersloot throughout this whole season. She has just been excellent, and she's only gotten better as the year has gone along. As I talked about before, I already touched on this, but she is the engine of this offense. She is what drives this offense, and the sky's success in the playoffs is going to revolve around her, and I, I really see her delivering. Even if she's not scoring the ball or she's not shooting particularly well, she has struggled to shoot at times this season. Her passing is just unmistakably good, and teams have to respect her shot enough where she's always going to be able to pass. No team has been able to figure out how to stop her passing from impacting the game to such an elite level. No team has figured out how to curtail that aspect of her game. So I expect her to fully deliver in the playoffs. Moving to Allie Quigley. Allie Quigley has actually also come along really well this season. In the month of August, she's taken 10 or more shots in 9 out of 12 games, which I think is a great sign for the sky. Obviously, I would say I'd like to see her taking more shots, but as long as she's at that 10 or more range, I think that's that's at least enough that Allie Quigley's taking. Obviously, she's just so dang efficient and such a flamethrower as a shooter. You want her taking more shots than that on a regular basis, but hitting that 10 shot mark is a far cry from the beginning of the season when she was just having games where she was barely shooting at all where she was really having duds and really struggling to get in the flow of this offense. I think she's really found her place. She's looked so much more aggressive here as of late, whether it's off the dribble, looking for her own shot. And I think Wade has done a good job in getting her some more action off the ball, getting her good looks, and kind of forcing her to get those shots. So with Allie Quigley, I, I feel pretty good in terms of her showing up to the playoffs. And obviously, there's always that risk of her going off for 20, 22 points on a ridiculously low number of shots. So I like what she brings to the table for the playoffs. I think she's probably their second most reliable player as we head into the postseason and next to Courtney Vandersloot. And I, I would put good money on her showing up. Now, rounding out the big three, we have Diamond to Shields. And Diamond has, you know, don't get me wrong, she's been great all year on offense I think the question with her in the playoffs, and again, this is a single elimination game, most likely. It's just a one-off game for that for that second round. She's going to get you points, but can she do it efficiently for that game? And I think you just, you just don't know ahead of time. I think she has been really good, again, down the stretch of the season, but her efficiency is always the biggest question mark. You know she's going to get you 12, 15, 17 points in any given game. You know she's going to get you that. But is she going to do it on 10 shots, 15 shots? You know, what is the number? And I think a big thing with her is free throws. And her ability to get to the line is going to be such a big factor for the sky in terms of getting the other team in foul trouble and just getting some efficient points. I think she has done a really good job in curtailing her shot selection a little bit here in the season. Again, she still takes some difficult shots, but earlier in the season she would take, you know, two, three dribble pull-ups from mid-range that were really contested, really just making it hard for herself. And I think she's done a good job moving away from those and focusing more on spotting up from three, getting to the line, getting to the rim, taking good shots. She's still going to take a couple of those really hard shots every game, but the number has just gone down so much that I think that's really helped her here in terms of performing more consistently but the question about efficiency is still there 
And then on defense, I think the biggest thing is can she stay locked in? She's been really good here the past month. She's looked a lot more consistent. And I do think in a playoff game, she's going to bring it 110%. I don't see her backing down. But again, it's her first time in the WNBA playoffs. It's her first time playing at that level in this league. So you just don't know how players are going to react. Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot have that experience. It's been a couple years. I think they're different players than they were the last time in the playoffs. I think they're better players, but they do have that experience. With Diamond, it's going to be a new thing for her, and, and it'll be interesting to see how she responds. Now, past the big three, I think that's where things get really interesting. I don't know if there's a combination or a pair of players past those three that can really lose you a series. I think if you have, you know, Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot have a terrible game, I, I think it's really hard for you to win that series. Or it's very hard to win in the second round if both of them are really off on a given night. Same with Diamond to Shields and Allie Quigley or Diamond to Shields and Courtney Vandersloot. I think if you have that combination just not showing up for a game, it's really tough if you're the sky to win. I think past the big three, there's a little more leeway there. And so, obviously, again, the biggest question is in the front court. But let's talk guards and wings real quick. Gabby, Kalia, and Katie Lou are the three guards slash wings. I know Katie Lou's technically in the front court, but I'm going to kind of lump her into that group just because I feel like it's easier to discuss her and her output in that way. I think with Gabby, she's a person who I think is going to translate to the playoffs pretty well. Namely because she's pretty defensively oriented. I mean, offensively, as, as we've talked about, she's kind of hit or miss. You know, we kind of know who she is at this point of the season. Not saying that she can't progress in the future, but, you know, she's not going to be a jump shooter. She's going to try to get to the rim, use her athleticism, use her strength to get to the rim, cut off the ball. And, and she's going to be a bit of a playmaker for you off the bench. Ideally, you want her with Diamond or Allie Quigley when Courtney Vandersloot sits so that Gabby doesn't have to be the playmaker, but she's going to be a playmaker when Courtney Vandersloot is out. And so with Gabby, I expect her to show up. I think the biggest thing with her is, hey, can, can she hit a couple of jump shots? Can she hit a shot off the dribble? Can she hit an open three? I think those are the small things that she can do that can contribute in a big way for this guy. But I think that baseline is there. And again, she's another player who's just looked really good here down the stretch of the season. She, she's looked really strong attacking the rim. So I think she can continue that into the playoffs. Kalia Copper's a bit more of a wild card. She's had some really bright spots this season, but really has, has kind of fallen off hasn't contributed consistently at the same level as she was at certain points in the season. And so I think she's a bit of just, you know, an option for this guy. Obviously, in an ideal world, she's a really good shot creator off the bench. She's somebody you can go to to get you a bucket. But with her play as of late, you don't know 100% if that's true. She, she struggled with her shooting a little bit. She struggled with turnovers. So that'll be interesting to see how she reacts in the playoffs can she have an on game when the sky really need her? Can she come out and win you three minutes? Can she win you five minutes? Can she can she do that for the sky? I don't think she's necessarily going to play a ton of minutes just because I think between Allie Quigley, Diamond Shields, Courtney Vandersloot, they're going to be playing a ton of minutes. And then Gabby is going to be taking all the minutes that Courtney Vandersloot isn't out on the floor for and also taking some of those small forward shooting guard minutes. So I do wonder what Kalia's minutes look like in a single elimination game when the sky are just simply trying to win to advance win or die. 
I don't know how much Kalia will actually play. So that'll be very interesting to see what Wade does. Again, I think she can be somebody who can really have a big impact, or she can be somebody who brings you some solid defense, but maybe is having an off night on offense, and you have to live with that. As far as Katie Lou goes, I would be very interested to see what kind of playtime she gets in the playoffs. I think it's the same deal with Kalia, who how many minutes are there really available for her? Obviously, Katie Lou can play more of the four spot than Copper is going to, than really probably Gavi is going to, considering her point guard load. But I do wonder how much we're actually going to see of Katie Lou. I think more than anything, it'll just be a bit of a change of pace if the sky are looking sluggish. Wade likes to kind of throw new players in there just to see if he can get something going. But I imagine her playtime is going to be pretty limited just because of her defensive limitations and how few minutes there could be to go around. I, I would bet a lot more money on Wade going more to Gabby or Copper, even though they're small at the four, going towards them if they really need minutes in the front court. Now, of course, the biggest question is in the front court, and that really starts with Stephanie Dolson. I honestly have no idea what kind of Steph Dolson we're going to get in the playoffs. Like I kind of alluded to earlier, I think she can be really important for this team. She's just an excellent passer. She's great at positioning herself on offense. She's nice in the pick and roll. She's a good pick and popper. But she just cannot stay on the floor. Her foul trouble has just been a huge problem all season, and it really feels like it's only getting worse. And I wonder in the playoffs, can she stay on the floor long enough to really be a significant factor for this team because when she gets into foul trouble and she gets those two or three fouls in the first half she can't play defense as well as she normally does which is you know average at best depending on who she's playing against but she can't play defense the same way when she gets in foul trouble it limits her minutes and she can often just get frustrated which it sucks because she can be such an exciting player again her passing her outlet passes are amazing uh, I have an article coming out soon about her outlet passing and why it's so important and what it can mean for the offense. But I think a big part of their transition game is when Steph is the one throwing those outlet passes. When a Stu or Cheyenne or anybody else gets them, they still get get it to the right person. They still get it usually to Courtney Vandersloot or Allie Quigley. They get the little handoff. But with Steph, I feel like the rest of the team just knows, oh, hey, we can start running the floor because Steph can launch the ball 10, 20, 30 feet to us, and we're already going to be in stride when we get it, and we're beating half the team. Like That's that's huge for this guy, especially if they want to push the break in the playoffs when, it, when it's harder to play fast. I think Steph can be a really big catalyst for that, but if she's not on the floor, she, she can't do that. And I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I think it's just kind of hit or miss at this point. Maybe in the playoffs – she can she can turn it on and, and stay out of foul trouble. Or even if she gets in foul trouble, just says, you know, screw it. This is a one-off game. Like, if I'm not playing 100%, there's there's no reason I'm playing. I, I, I just really don't know what the answer is there. I think it's something that it's got to be addressed in another time. I do think she's been called harshly this season, but you can't, you can't really change it at this point. And so with Steph Dolson's foul trouble, that really – lends a lot of significance or a lot more significance to a stew do and Cheyenne Parker. I think that duo in terms of what they can do in the playoffs is going to be incredibly interesting. I think a stew is just a consistent player. You kind of know what she's going to give you and, and it's really good. She's a stretch big 
who's got a lot of length to bother players. Not a true rim protector. She's not quite big enough to bang down low with the big bigs of the WNBA, but she can definitely hold her own, especially when she's at the four spot. And then with Cheyenne Parker, she has really come on as of late and just a great person to have coming off the bench. And I think if Steph Dolson is getting in foul trouble, you need Cheyenne Parker to step up because obviously a stew can't really make up for that time because she's getting full starters minutes. And if the sky are facing a team that is big in the front court, you really don't want to have to slide Gabby down there. You really don't want to have to rely on Katie Lou at the four or Kalia copper. I think that's just too undersized and none of those players can really make the other team pay with the mismatch. That's they don't really work for small ball in terms of, you know, they can't really defend the biggest fours in the league all that well, and they really just don't bring enough to the table offensively to make it completely worth it to just eat the points on the other end. So I think with the front court, it's kind of a toss-up. I kind of expect that we'll see what we've seen the past few weeks, which is a hit-or-miss production from from the three of them. I think, again, losing Jantel is just – it's – it stinks because she was just so consistent and a stew do has done a really good job, you know, patching the holes. But I mean, just imagine this front court, if you had all four of those players and they were playing big minutes or at least spreading those minutes around or having a chance where if Steph Dolson gets into foul trouble, that's when you have a stew do come in and fill in alongside Jed tell lavender. But the sky don't really have that option. Doesn't seem like Jantel, even if the sky end up in a very like stacked series in the finals it'd be unlikely that she comes back and plays any significant minutes so what you have is is what you have if you're James Wade with the front court and you got to make it work and I'm very interested to see what front court shows up in the playoffs so thank you for listening to episode 11 of the Skycast right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. I want to give a quick shout out to Chris Pennant of Regal Radio. I actually just had the opportunity to go on the first episode of his podcast, Above the Clouds. Again, you can find it at Regal Radio 1. And you can find him on Twitter at Quandry Kitten. We talked a lot about playoff matchups, what players might step up, and what the rest of the season is going to look like. So definitely give that a listen when it comes out. Chris is great. He provides great coverage for Regal Radio. So shout out to him. And again, as always, my name is Nick Niendorf. And if you liked what you heard here today and you want more coverage of the Chicago Sky, make sure you're following me at Niendorf21, that's N-I-E-N-D-O-R-F 21, on Twitter, and that you're also following us at Lockdown WBB and at High Post Hoops.